Listener Production. You're listening to episode 85 of the Howie Games Part B with big wave hellman Garrett McNamara. Strap yourself in, team. Growing up, you're learning to surf and it's my fault. I, I read it again yesterday. You, you met a another guy, I don't know if he's European, and he started to take you into the bigger surf. Peruvian. Peruvian, sorry, Peruvian. He didn't have a good end, the Peruvian. Yeah, he was... Uh, what was his name? Gustavo Liberte. Gustavo, si, claro. The big boss. Yeah, he was amazing. Um, He... We didn't have a dad, so we always hung out with whoever the... We hung with older guys, always. From the minute we got to Hawaii... Of the first couple of years, we were in Wailua. Oh, and we went straight to the wave cave, Roy Patterson, and he was basically our dad. And then we went to Sunset, and we went straight to um, Gustavo and Jensen. Jensen was with Rozo Surfboards. He um, he was just he was like our dad, amazing. And then whoever wherever we could find good joints, that's who we we became family there because we were they called us the Stacks brothers at 13, 14 years old. We were Stacks one and Stacks two, me and my brother, and we smoked so much weed. It's not even funny. Um, from twelve to twenty two. The, all of the school years. Um, so Gustavo... How do you look back on that, that you did that? Huh? Looking back on that, you obviously don't. I think you came to a point in your life where that's it for the marijuana. I, yeah. Well, we, we're our surfers. We're hanging out. We're having a blast. We're hanging with our friends at Smoke, and and that's what they do, and that's what we did. And and then at 22, I, I actually... I, I quit smoking pot in, um, at 19. Or was it 17 when I went to Japan for the first time? Yeah, 17. 12 to 17, five years straight. So Gustavo, he he was a big drug lord. We didn't even know that. He was really protective of us. He didn't put any hard drugs around us, and we smoked pot with him. And we were the the little punkies. <laughs> the punks. And he had us do, yeah, we had us do random cleaning the car or whatever, and 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 uh, he had all the best surfboards and all the best everything, and and I was uh, afraid of big waves at that time. And he grabbed me by the neck and said, "Punky, you're coming with me. I'm taking you out to the big waves." And uh, he gave me a really good board, really good advice. I vowed to never surf a wave over six feet up to that point, and he gave me. I mean, it's all about your teacher when it comes to surfing. The teacher's gonna. First time you surf, a good teacher is going to put you on a really big board, on really small waves, really shallow, and you're going to stand up pretty much every wave, and then you're going to evolve. Um, I'd already been through that. We learned the hard way on really bad equipment, and finally we're getting better boards, but I wasn't going to go out into big waves. There's no way, shape, or form, but then he forced me to, gave me the advice, and I caught every single wave, and from that day forward, I, I was... How big are we talking that day? <clears throat> Twenty foot faces. So they're enormous waves. Yeah, ten foot Hawaiian. So before we continue with your journey, which gets up to a hundred foot waves, I say that again. If you're listening, a hundred foot waves. Quest for the hundred foot wave. Well, it's still there. I don't. I haven't ridden a hundred footer yet. But what's I mean, the biggest wave you've ridden? Actually, there's um, 
The biggest one recorded was 78, but there's an... Is my phone here? There, yeah. This one I didn't enter in 14. It's definitely my biggest wave. And it's about 10 or 20 feet bigger than the 78-foot wave. So whatever size that is. I mean, here's here's the world record wave. You can see the little guy there. So that's the Guinness Book of World Records 78-foot wave. until this year. Yep. They're held for eight years, and then this one is way bigger. You're an ant climbing Mount that's, Everest there. I don't there. know how big that is, but I know it's 10 to 20 feet bigger than that, and they called that one 78. So. so talk to me about fear. I, I don't know whether you have fear now, but growing up and going from saying I'm not going to six foot, then I'm at 20 foot, how do you process, how do you deal, and how do you overcome fear, most importantly, Garrett? When, when I, growing up, my brothers, we had uh, three, two stepbrothers and, and one uh, brother from another mother, same father. And they, the, my brothers were the exact same age as my brother and I. So, so um, and I didn't know about this, but we were just hanging out with one of them a couple years ago. And he's like, you were always fearless. You were always the guy that would jump off a two-story building or <laughs> jump any jump or climb any building to go get marijuana plants or anything that there was to do, I was in and I was going to be the first to do it. And I was getting everybody else to do it. And I I'd forgot about that. I didn't really realize that. And so the fear... I guess I would always just face it and try and go higher and further and But and, what pushed and, you? And that was as a kid before surfing. But but what pushes you now when you see that wall of water and the rest of us think, no, nah, I'm fearful for my life. What makes you be able to override that? I've surfed so many big waves and have so many horrendous wipeouts. See there's people that ride waves, big waves, and really cautious and really careful and their their success rate, they're going to go like if it's a 90% make it or not, but they're not going to get the ride of their life. They're going to get these like shoulder rides or these, you know, nice controlled rides. The one guy that I looked up to was Ross Clark Jones. He was my big wave hero. And he puts it all on the line every single wave. And he's such a good surfer that he he makes a high percentage. I, I don't know. I think, yeah, he makes a really high percentage these days. But back in the, the beginning with the tow boards, he would go so deep to get the ultimate ride. And he'd pay the price a lot. And my approach was I wanted to be like him. And I wanted to try, try and be a little like him. Nobody can be like Ross. He's a one of a kind. Is it worth risking your life for, and we'll get to situations where your life is in jeopardy, Garrett, is it worth risking your life for to ride away? And why is it? feel it. You're not risking your life. Um, huh. It's more, more risky actually in an airplane or in a car or um, to, 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 we've never, for toe surfing, we've never lost a toe surfer. No toe surfers have died that I know about. Okay, so... The, the thing so it's I, not that risky. Well, <laughs> you do uh, the numbers. Uh, yeah, I, I'm doing the numbers. Kangaroo uh, will take you out first, mate. Yeah, I'm not sure about the kangaroo taking you out. We'll, we'll get back to that. The, 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 I think the thing I love about your story is you got in a position where so many of us get to in life that we're doing something. I think you were running a, a, a surf shop in Hawaii, a yeah. sports shop. Yeah. Like so many of us get to in our life where we're doing something and it's not really 
sitting with. It's not really what we want to do. It's not our dream. We get stuck doing what we think we're supposed to do for our future, for our family. Or, And I opened the store to secure my future. And I was driving to work every day. I was 30 years old. I started drinking coffee and started getting up early to go to the store instead of going surfing. I'm driving by perfect waves, really started to get depressed about it. Um, and then for the first time in my life, I said, hmm, I'm going to give surfing one more shot. So I wrote my goal, keep surfing. And then under that, I wrote a map or a blueprint, a vision board. Um, and I wrote, to two things I needed to do to keep surfing. One was win the Eddie, and two was win the Jaws contest. It was the first big towing contest. And then three was getting into the contest first and foremost so I could win them. And then training and eating and manifesting, focusing, visualizing. And uh, the contests, the Eddie and the Jaws contest ended up happening going on the same day. So, so, so the EDI cow, for those that don't know, it's it's a big wave contest that only happens when the waves get to... 20 plus. 20 plus. So that's all on the same day, day yeah. as Jaws. 40 feet plus, yeah, all and, day. And Jaws is another legendary <clears throat> break in Hawaii. So it's at the same day. And I'm an alternate at the Eddie. The Eddie's like a paddling, yeah, Jaws like, is a towing. Yeah, and I'm like number seven alternate. Okay. And the year before I showed up for the Eddie the Eddie before, and I paddle out for my heat as an alternate number nine or whatever, somehow I got in, and I get out to the lineup. I'm sitting there so excited, and number nine comes out. and goes, oh, you got to paddle in, I'm here. <laughs> and nobody's ever had to do that before. That's my Eddie story. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Eddie would and go I'm and Garrett didn't get to go. And I'm still 4 a.m. Every every hour calling because we had to call the buoys back then and it updates every hour. And I'm calling the buoys and going back to bed 10 minutes, call the buoy, go back to bed as much. 4 a.m. and I'm freaking out. What am I going to do? And I'm an alternate. I'm invited in Jaws. I'm an alternate in Eddie and I'm still torn because I know I can win the Eddie and the Jaws is just the craziest, scariest wave. And I really don't even want to go there because I went once before and I'd shit myself. But I have a partner waiting for me at Jaws. So I decide, okay, I'm invited. The year before I paddle out and had to paddle in, I don't want to go through that again. So I go to Jaws and I'm really afraid. I, I'm actually, I wasn't comfortable out there at so all. So you're feeling fear now. Yeah. And I'm seeing all these guys riding these waves in this giant barrel. Nobody's in the barrel. And I'm really wondering why they're on the barrel. And when I went there the first time, I found out why. This wave is just so powerful and just wants to eat you. And you're just trying to get away from her. It's the, the Jaws. <laughs> And uh, so we get there, and it's huge, 50, 60, 70 feet. And where I, my partner didn't know how to drive a jet ski, but he's a super focused big wave rider. And I knew if I chose him as a partner, I, and he rode for the same clothing company as me, and I knew if I chose him, I could get in. It was a strategic maneuver, but also I, I saw how focused and amazing he was. He's a Brazilian guy, and the Brazilian sponsor sponsoring the event. So Clever. And uh, we go out there and I'm like, look, and he can't really drive. And I'm like, look, I'm going to put you on the, the waves. You're going to. And so I put him on 
three of the best waves of the event. And I told him, look, you're getting three waves. You're making them. Do not get barreled. Make your three waves. After you get three, then you can pull in or do whatever you want. But you make your first three waves. So he makes his first three waves, and he gets really good scores. Fourth one, pulls in, clamps him. <laughs> Pretty much, he was so, I go in to get him, and he jumps onto the sled. And then the next wave is coming. It's all foamy, so the jet ski doesn't go when it's foamy. The, it cavitates. Yeah. And it's like you're getting stuck in the mud. There's an avalanche coming. You're in your Toyota Land Cruiser or your Mercedes G-Wagon, and, and the freaking avalanche is coming, and you're trying to outrun it, and you're stuck in the mud. <laughs> and he's holding on the sled, and the wave starts, and I'm going, woo, 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 woo. And he sacrifices himself, pushes the ski and the sled pushes the sled into the ski but the wave still catches me and when the wave at jaws catches you in the jet ski you're done there's nothing you can do and but my friend who lent me the ski was roy patterson who i lived with back in when i was a kid he has foot straps on his jet ski he has a sound system he has pole hole i mean this thing was out of control <laughs> and i stick my feet in the foot straps and the the wave picks me up 10, 20, starts to kind of turn me sideways. And I've not, not let, somehow it throws me out in front of the wave. I land in the flat, bop, get out of there. So then we go back out and uh, it's my turn to surf. We both got to catch three waves. Oh, that's the goal. He has scored three waves each. First wave, I'm coming down. I, I didn't want to be too deep. I didn't want to get barreled. I wanted to make sure to make, make my wave. And he puts me on this wave that uh, I was a little bit deep and a lot of wind. It wasn't huge. It was 40 feet maybe. And I was coming down perfect, perfect to pull in. And I just shit myself. And I kicked out in front of all these people and I couldn't do it and I was just like thinking to myself oh my god oh my god how am I going to do this that wasn't even a big one I can't even go and I was just like so second wave comes he puts me right in the middle in the perfect spot not too deep but somehow I get in and it's like a 50 60 footer and I get to the bottom no fading just no just straight beeline for the shoulder 100 miles an hour and it almost barrels on me twice if I slowed down a little bit I would have got barrel but I was just like running get out of there I get to the shoulder kick out oh all right I can do this <laughs> I get another wave decent ride the first one was the special one the second one was okay and the third one not coming there's no time left on the clock and and he and he's driving and we're going over one I'm like no we're going to the next one no we go over to Third one, I take it. I do a couple turns. It wasn't the best ride, but I got a score. So we have. I had three scores, and he had three amazing scores. And we ended up winning the contest. I closed the store, and I kept surfing from then on. I got all these new sponsors, and and um, it was really. I write my maps whenever I feel I got something to do. I make vision boards now. I, I call them blueprints, maps. I would recommend to everybody. Um, figure out what you're passionate about, figure out how to map a life around your passion and write it, write it down and make a realistic goal, realistic passion, realistic goal and realistic map that will help you will. And you put that map in the bathroom, put that map in the car, put that map on the refrigerator. <laughs> Anytime you're doing something that's not on the map is taking you further from your goal. That's a great explanation. Your goal ended up taking you 
to Nazaré in Portugal, which when you went there, the surfing fraternity, I probably, I guess, had never heard of. I think a bloke emailed you, didn't he? He said, come and check out the waves over here. When you stood up on that shot that is so famous now, often due to what you've done there, up on the lighthouse and the buildings there, and you saw that wave for the first time, what did you think? I, the whole, I actually went from Jaws to the world after I just surfed every swell everywhere and I couldn't get enough. I had the monkey on my back. The monkey just wanted me, took me wherever I saw a swell on the maps, anywhere in the world, I was on a plane. If I had the money to go, I spent it. <laughs> and then um, I'd been searching for the 100 foot wave and I was on a mission. We actually shot a pretty cool dock on it and we were really focused to find a 100-foot wave. And then I felt it was out of Cortez Banks, and so does everybody else. Of California? Yeah. All the Californians think that's where it is. <laughs> Not. <laughs> <laughs> They're still hoping to get to someday. I've never voiced that, but it's the truth. That's why they won't judge Nazare bigger than they are. They, that's why they, I think that's why they let my record stand for so long, because... Every single year, somebody beat it. I beat it a bunch of times. And then every year after, Bacotti, Carlos, uh, I mean, you name it. Every single year, a bigger wave than my record wave was caught. But they wouldn't give it to it because I don't think they wanted In to Portugal. Be, yeah, they don't want it to out make it too hard for Cortez to win. So what did you think when you got there? When I Israel? got there, it was like... The holy grail. I got out of the car and it was the wind was blowing really strong and I could barely open the door. And I walk up to the edge of the cliff and the wind is just like you could almost float. You could put your body forward and it would push you back. You could almost like in midair. And uh, the wind will hold you up. And I look out and see the biggest waves I've ever seen. There was a massive the winds weren't ideal and they were too strong but they were going side shore so it was holding up the waves so you could see the height and it was the biggest it was like the holy grail right there first day it was the light bulb ta-da like ta-da <laughs> this is wave in that town <clears throat> over centuries has caused misery I guess for want of a better term it's the place of death that's all they know it and when they saw this American guy going out there, they they, to, they didn't want to know me from what I, I found out a f- couple of years ago because they didn't want to know the guy who wasn't going to be here anymore. You are going to be another really, person that was lost to the way. They were really, you know, passionate and loving people and they didn't want to be connected and then see me disappear. Back to the G-Man in a tick. The last episode of the Howie Games featured seven-time major winner, Aussie golf legend, Kari Webb. By that stage, I realised that I, I didn't like, I didn't like how golf made me feel and treat people around me. So that's what I meant. Um, when anyone gets upset, I get sorry. upset. No, don't be sorry. Um, this has happened to me a few times on the show. Um, so why does that make you emotional? Um, sorry. No, I'll hit pause. I hit pause. No, I'm, I'm good. You sure? Yeah, I'm good. Um, no, I think just because deep down that's not the person that I am. Very much not the person you are. Yeah, so um, I sort of set, not that I probably succeeded all the time, but I set out not to be not to be that person. I didn't want to play golf that way. That's Kari Webb on episode 84 of The Howie Games. 
Alrighty, back to the Hound of the Sea. So tell me, explain to me, how do you do it? What happens to surf a wave like that? That's a pretty broad question. But when you're trying to catch a 70, 80 foot wave, you go out on the ski, then what happens? Well, it's... To, I'm fascinated by To this. reel it back a little bit, it's yep. pretty funny because, okay, so they brought Mike Stewart over there as the most world-renowned bodyboarder. They brought Ross Clark Jones went in like 2000, uh, way before me, and he saw it 80 feet and perfect. Uh, they emailed Laird. They emailed Carlos. I was actually the third pick. <laughs> right. When I, they emailed me, I answered in like one minute. He's like, the guy who emailed me, he, he's like, well, I got to try. I got to see. I must send this email to Garrett. I send email. Boom. And he responds. I'm like, oh, no way. He responded. And then he's like, oh, well, okay. We got to bring him. But but definitely he's going to die. But we need to know. This guy says this in an interview. <laughs> definitely he's going to die. <laughs> but we need to know. And... uh so they get me there, and I we start exploring the lineup and exploring the currents, and and then we got to organize jet skis, and we got to make sure they're all watertight. You know, we, the skis have s- hatches in in the front, and the seats in the back that come off if the water hits the little the little release system, uh, clip, and um, so we get everything ready, and we go out there on like a 20 foot day and have a really good time um, but the, we had terrible equipment my boards were good I had good boards luckily but uh, the skis were really bad but they worked and they always broke down but we got a couple waves the first day and it was amazing super fun super clean playful and I made every wave I didn't get pounded so I didn't realize what I was getting myself into so then how do you get out there when it's going to be 80 foot? How do you do it? The f- well, I'd been serving so many waves, so I was really excited to... Okay, so the better question would be, Garrett, you, you get towed out the back and it is 70, 80 foot. Describe to me that. Ah, oh. okay. Well, first of all, you get to the... We put our skis in the water at the harbor, and it's only about a kilometer out. And you get out to the lineup, and we have the one ski to tow and another ski for safety, and he shadows you. So, And what does the ocean feel like when it's like that? Uh, it's just so lumpy because it's a, a sandbar, and there's a huge canyon, three times the size of the Grand Canyon, right on the side of the lineup. So there's so much movement. And un, it's unorganized, and the waves break in a different spot every time, and we have no idea exactly how it works. We we've got it's kind of figured out, but we didn't have a lot of hours in. What type of frame of mind are you trying to put yourself into? <clears throat> that day, I didn't want to surf. I told my friends, "I'll tell you," but I'm not surfing. And we had a really heavy day the day before, and was really tired. And and I told him, "I'll drive you guys." And so. I drove Al Manny into his first wave. He loses his board. I drive Andrew Cottonew away if he loses his board. And they're like, Garrett, you go. Luckily, I brought my board out just in case. 
and I didn't feel it at all. And I'm like, ah, I don't really want to. Now, come on, go. So I jump in the water, jump on the rope, and I do my reset, which is, it works with everything in life. Uh, just everyday normal life, you can reset yourself. Or when you're going into a business situation or a situation where you want to manifest something or attract things. And I, I breathe all of my air out. <laughs> squeeze your guts, crush them, bend over, and then you do a belly breath, and then into your chest, and then there's a, no, that when you, uh, most people, they, that's all they take, but there's another, that's three quarter tank, and you got another quarter tank. So, and I do that three times, and the third time, at that moment, I look, look to the highest tree, and I received the energy, and it, and it called on, <laughs> the, just became one. Um, and then whew, everything was, felt so good. And my wife goes, there's a macker coming on the walkie-talkie. She's so, on the cliff. Yeah. And uh, we have safety. We have, I mean, there's what, what the other setup, we have jet skis and uh, safety jet skis. Then we have quads on the beach. There's already a life a lifeguard on the beach. There's a fire truck, an ambulance. We They set us up like you've never been set up. Um and then you have all the photographers and the other safety guys. And we had an amazing, amazing team. So then phew, everything's perfect. My wife goes, there's a macker coming. And I, I, she picks me up. I feel so good. I feel light. I feel, and I look out and the horizon goes black. And we're towing out towards the waves. And he's like about to turn for the first one. No, no, number two, number two. And so we go over. And you come down, and he does a big U-turn, and we're tracking down the wave. Every wave that I catch, I really want to get in a barrel. That's my goal. It's so so much of my goal that I named my son Barrel. Your son's <laughs> name is Barrel. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Tom Carroll is a good friend of mine, and when I told him, he's like, "Man, I wish I had a son. I would have called him Barrel Carroll." <laughs> 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 so uh, yeah, we're coming into this wave, and and we're a little on the shoulder. Uh, Andrew Cotton, most amazing person, my best friend, most loveliest person you'll ever meet, and he's pulling me a little on the shoulder, and I'm kind of stressing, trying to go deeper and hold my mind. I was like, ah, I want to be deeper, and at the last second, I stretch my arm out. Usually, you just go, Pew, and you, and I'm like, and I turn. He put me in the ultimate spot to be able to measure the wave. So I go down to the bottom because I was on the shoulder, so I had to go back. Usually you're coming in full speed and you're kind of mid-face or you're in front of it, and they measure where you are on the wave, and then it's hard for them to tell where the bottom is. So if you go to the bottom, then you're, you're still not at the bottom, but they can at least say, okay, the bottom's there. Mm -hmm. So I get to the bottom, and I punch it as hard as I can, and I'm coming up to try and get in the barrel, and then it kind of crumbles and clamps and I turn and it hits me and it felt like a ton of bricks on my shoulders and it was and then I they, I was about to get squashed and then it kind of picks me up from and throws me out in front of the wave and I land and I then I'm excited now I'm fired up now I want to surf it didn't I didn't think it was that big of a wave but now I'm excited I'm, I'm like okay yeah let's do this and my wife get, uh, Andrew comes to pick me up with the sled and I get on the sled and, and I had a GoPro run and I'm like next one put me deeper <laughs> <laughs> and my wife gets on walkie talkie that's it 
that was it. Come on in. There's nothing bigger. Nothing else is going to happen today. I'm like, what? I don't, what are you talking about? I didn't think it was that big a way. We get to get to motor back. We get to the harbor and the, the cameramen come running down with their little things and they're showing me the picture. I'm just like, wait, that's not, what? I was like, didn't seem real that the wave was that tall. Without getting carried away, for those, Garrett, that, and that's a great description, for those that their ultimate is to surf big waves, you know, when Hillary and Tenzing Norgay went up Mount Everest, it was it was an amazing thing. When people push the limit, do you consider yourself in that bracket? Because externally, that's how people view you. They, they view you as a man that has pushed the limits of surfing beyond where most people ever pictured it could go. I'm, there's evolution is, it's just, it's nice to be doing new things. It's so fresh and I don't know if I would categorize me with Mount Everest or anything, but. But um, it is pioneering what you've been doing. It's changed the face of the sport. It's always a team effort. I was super lucky. Um. The one thing that I have to say, though, I do feel I'm like one of the luckiest people in the world. And like my shoulder, I broke it, but I, it was a learning experience and it, it was something that I needed to go through. And people might not think that I was lucky, but it was lucky. Um, that was at Mavericks? Yeah. But the luck is when preparation meets opportunity huh. and you seize the opportunity as it arises. And... I had been focusing and manifesting and visualizing and working towards and training and and somehow it was right there under everybody's nose. Thousands, thousands of people saw the way. Kelly Slater saw the way before me. Ross Clark, Mike Stewart, Mike Hubbard. Um, it was a, like I was... I kind of feel like I was a diamond in the rough. I was kind of just getting by and living the dream surfing, but didn't quite achieve what I was looking for. And my, I was looking for the, I didn't get where I wanted to get. Nazare, biggest wave in the world, was a little old fishing village in, it was uh, really bad. It was in, there was, everything was crumbling, the whole economy, the whole country. Mm. And it was like a magic, it wasn't, November 11th, 2011, at 11 o'clock, the wave came in <laughs> and it was like a m magic moment. Like it was meant to be and it just, all my goals and dreams, I've more than that has come from what transpired there. And I see the company, country flourishing and the people so happy and so proud and there's so much love. It's like, but it, it, you know, it was lucky. <laughs> We're tight on time, which is disappointing me because I could speak to you for hours. Um, just briefly, that's when it goes right. What, you know, oh, I fall off my board constantly in a five-foot wave and get hammered. Describe to me when you get hit by a 50, 60, 70-foot wave. What happens? Every wipeout is so different, but when you're in a, a heavy-duty one, it hits you so hard. It hits you like a like a Mack truck just ran you over, and sometimes you're 
you get this thing called a stinger where your arms are just like and numb and your neck and your whole I mean it's just like it separates your joint your everything just kind of gets separated and then back together and hopefully nothing's damaged and and then you're going around like a washing machine on a, a dryer on spin or washing machine on a spin cycle <laughs> but in every different direction and then your sinuses are getting full of water your eardrums are I've never really had problems with the eardrums but a lot of people get broken eardrums from being so deep um, but the amazing thing about it is you're out of control and you're at the mercy of the white what the the wave and it's it makes you feel so alive and and it's i i always enjoyed the underwater rides more than the successful rides cuz you like the white no control more. <laughs> that might be the essence of you right there <laughs> hey garrett frequent listeners to this show will know i've got a couple of kids um and i talk to them in the morning or the night before about the people that I'm going to go and speak to, and then they ask a question. Um, you get the question today from my son, whose name is Mac. He's only six, um, but his nickname is the Big Penguin. He gave himself the nickname the Big Penguin. Um, he surfs as well, um, the little fella, and I thought he would ask you about surfing, but uh, we were looking at Nazare, and he saw it was in Portugal. I don't know if you know much about soccer, the world game, but this is the question to you from the Big Penguin. Hi, GMAC, Big Penguin here. My dad told me that you live in Portugal, which is where Ronaldo lives, and I love Ronaldo. Have you ever seen Ronaldo or met him? He's got the biggest surfing wave rider in the world, and he wants to know if you've seen or met Ronaldo in Portugal. You know what? I was at Pastana Palace where he's partners with the Pasano group in a hotel. He has a bunch of hotels with them. Yes. And I'm really good friends with them. And he was coming to the palace for uh, uh, some kind of press conference. And there was a million reporters. <laughs> and I was going to stay to meet him. And they, they were going to introduce me. And for some reason, I had to take off. So oh, I this lost is gonna, my opportunity. <laughs> this is going to kill the big penguin when he hears this. But... I'm pretty sure I'll have an opportunity. Well, if um, you do, can you tell him the big penguin says good day? Definitely. Um, we got to wind up, which, as I said, disappoints me. And we do. Um, we're lucky enough on this show, Garrett, to have a lot of families, a lot of kids listen. Um, well, for the kids, the pot smoking, I quit. It was 22. And because I wasn't getting anywhere, that's I was in the hamster wheel. And I was lazy, and I saw this. And the only reason I have succeeded in my life is because I quit smoking pot. So I wouldn't even never start. The only time you can maybe take a hit is when you're retired and you've done everything you set out <laughs> to do. At the end of the day, you want to smoke some weed, go for it. But other than that, stay away from any kind of drugs. <laughs> so you have been a man that have followed your dreams. Is that the key? To happiness, do you think? Peace, inner peace with yourself is the key. Um, I did write happiness. My whole goal in life was, at the top of my goals was take care of my family, take care of my friends, and take care of the world. And I have went through that for, I don't know, five, ten, year, ten years about, and then I finally re looked deep and I went, no, 
Love your family, love your friends, love the world. I love it. Choose to be happy when you break your favorite board. Instead of getting really pissed off and angry that you just broke your favorite board, you go, wow, board, you are so awesome. You got me so many good rides. I love you so much. And, and choose to love this situation. Choose not to be afraid. Choose to not think about the past and not think about the future and let it fear enter your mind. Choose to enjoy the moment you're in because fear is a choice. We manufacture it. We have the power not to choose fear. We have the power not to choose to be angry, to choose to love things. It's a, it's a tough one. I'm always working on it. I'm not the best at it at all. But sometimes, like fear in the, in the ocean, I choose not to have it. More afraid when I'm driving my Mercedes and a roo jumps in front of me. Got <laughs> 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 oh, <God>, the rash. <laughs> Garrett, Garrett, listen, I hope everything continues to go so well with uh, Mercedes for you. Um, anyone that wants to know about conquering things should read your book, Hound of the Sea. But for me personally, to sit here for an hour and a half with you, um, it's been the best hour and a half of my month. Oh. I, I, mate, I can't thank you enough. Um, I was that excited when Cam Smith, a mate, rang and said you're in town to have a chat with you about life and just positivity. It's made my month, mate, so I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. It's an honour to be here and um, really good questions. You stumped me a few times. So I'm still going to have to email you for that one. I'll get that one. We're, we're actually working on... Um, like we're on social media a lot, doing our thing for the companies we work with, and and I'm try I'm trying to spread good messages, and once in a while do some cool quote that inspires me. But I've really been looking at a lot of the different people doing amazing things, and and really get me fired up and inspire me. So I'm really going to be on a mission to shed light on amazing things going on around the world through my Instagram. So how do we follow you? Uh, McNamara underscore S. Okay. And, and I would love if people tag me in, if they see something super cool about the environment or something, just people coming up with solutions. Yep. We all can come with all the problems and I'll shed light on challenges that we're facing. I don't like to call them problems, more challenges that the world's facing, but then at the, have a solution. Don't just sort of show a problem or a challenge. <laughs> See, I'm always working, working on it. being a better, better vocabulary, more positive and more um, yeah, positive. Thanks for joining Peaceful. me on the Howie Games, mate. <sighs> Thank you, buddy. Cheers. Thanks to Garrett for taking me and you into his world and what a world it is. I hope you got to this point. As I said at the start, I'd really love to know what you thought about this episode. So hit me up at MarkHoward03 on Insta or Facebook or Twitter and let me know. I'd love to get your feedback. Thanks to our wild man of the audio suite, Darcy Thompson, for putting it together. And to you all, you fearless chargers out there for listening. Until the next step on Thursday, March 19, peace and love. And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Listener.